Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Well over a million acres have burned in California just in the last few months. And state fire officials are warning that conditions are not looking much better for the rest of the year. Here's Cal Fire Chief Tom Porter speaking at a briefing yesterday. Our predictive services have put out their three-month outlook for September through December. And for September through December, the entire state shows drier, more wind events, and large fire activity to continue for the next three months. Chief Porter says as of right now, the state is on pace to possibly top last year's record-breaking fire season when more than 4 million acres burned across the state. There are currently 14 large wildfires burning in California, with more than 15,000 firefighters battling those blazes. And crews continue to make progress on the two largest wildfires in the state. Fires have been spotting up in the southeast and northern section of the Dixie Fire, but firefighters have been able to get to them quickly and stop them from spreading. The fire has burned more than 922,000 acres and destroyed nearly 700 homes. And there was very little growth on the Caldor Fire burning in the Sierra Foothills, which has burned more than 217,000 acres. More evacuation orders have been downgraded to warnings in parts of El Dorado County as residents are slowly getting back to their homes. Let's turn to Sacramento. California state lawmakers wrap up their legislative session at the end of this week. Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon takes a look at what's left on their agenda. One of the most closely watched bills of the year would create a process to strip police officers of their badges if they're found guilty of certain crimes or serious misconduct. It's just one procedural vote away from heading to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. Lawmakers are also considering proposals to crack down on protests outside vaccination sites and a bill to create a new workforce to handle wildfire prevention. That's currently managed by CAL FIRE, which is overwhelmed with fighting wildfires during longer and more intense fire seasons. Lawmakers have already approved more than 200 bills. The legislative session ends at midnight on Friday. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. The last day of voting in the recall election is this Tuesday. Governor Gavin Newsom was in San Francisco yesterday helping to mobilize Latino voters. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer was there. One small block of a side street in the Mission District was closed off and filled with tables where volunteers sat dialing voters in Spanish 
urging them to vote. Governor Gavin Newsom reminded the crowd that replacing him with a conservative Republican like talk show host Larry Elder would have profound consequences, especially for immigrants. We will not support these policies. We will not embrace the xenophobia and the nativism and the fear of the other. We're better than that. Latinos comprise nearly 30 percent of California voters, but they've been a little slow to mail back their ballots so far. In the final push, campaigns for and against the recall are airing ads in Spanish, hoping to win over voters hit hard by the pandemic. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Meanwhile, Larry Elder, the top challenger to Newsom, visited gas stations yesterday in Los Angeles County and the Central Valley, drawing attention to high fuel costs in the state and slamming spending on high-speed rail. Now let's turn to people whose votes will decide the recall election. The California Report wanted to sample what voters were thinking on both sides of the recall question. So we hit the road. Our first stop was a pro-Newsom anti-recall rally in the L.A. County community of Culver City. Many voters there felt the recall campaign had become another front in national political battles. We need to save the democracy. This is outrageous. The idea that this has turned into a hydra. This is the pandemic. We've got assault on the rights for women. We've got voting rights being assaulted. This is just... It's like being in the twilight zone. And you think all of those really important issues are wrapped up in this recall fight? Everything is important right now. Everything is on the line. We're being assaulted on all fronts. It's like all hands on deck right now. I just think this is one of the most important votes for California right now, especially when it comes to climate change and getting rid of this pandemic and education, lots of things. As it's gone on, has this recall campaign even become more important to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I live in an area that's, um, although California is very liberal, the, the neighborhood I live in is not. So I've seen recall things before for Democratic politicians, but I've never seen so much force behind a recall like this. And are there particular issues that are incredibly important to you right now when it comes to California? Yes. And the big one is COVID. I don't want us to become Florida. I don't want us to become Texas. It's very important for me to be here today because I do first and foremost believe in Gavin Newsom. I love Gavin Newsom's position on criminal justice reform. Uh, He's trying to do his best to end mass incarceration. He's created a budget surplus for California. And uh, I just believe that Gavin Newsom is a great guy. And if he were to be recalled, you fear all of that would be at stake? Yes. Criminal justice reform and everything else that's important to you? Yes, sir. I, I believe that all of the gains that we've made in California will be rolled back if uh, Gavin Newsom loses this election. Those were anti-recall voters Margaret Lewis, Linda Davidson, and Salim Allen. Now to pro-recall voters. We met them at a recall rally in the Ventura County community of Thousand Oaks, where Republican candidate Larry Elder was about to speak. Voters there felt the state was on the wrong track, from homelessness to its response to the pandemic. Uh, Here to support my fellow patriots and to stand up for our liberties and our rights in California and vote the man out who's trampled all over our liberties and rights in California. How have your liberties and rights been trampled on and specifically? I am not allowed to go to certain places because I don't wear a mask. Um, In fact, I'm not allowed to go to many places. I'm not allowed to patronize my favorite restaurants, my shops. So you would like a recall to lead to what tangibly? 
to lead to a new person in that office who will stand up for individual liberties and rights and the Constitution. And, what and, and roll back those, those back pandemic those mandates. mandates in the process? Yep, absolutely. Uh, I don't think he's done a good job. I, I think it'd be, I, I'd be interested to see what somebody else can do. Um, the state has sort of been a one-party state for a long time. And I would just like to see, uh, you know, some changes just in general overall. If Newsom were to be recalled and somebody else comes into office, whether it's Larry Elder or someone else, what would be what would be their job number one to you? I think um, job security, uh, economics, uh, and making sure the infrastructure of the, the state as well. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, issues with infrastructure, you know. And I, and I think it's because this has been a one-party state for a very long time. So California is trying to make it to where you're either poor or you're really rich. You're a millionaire. There's no in-between. Yeah. Yeah, the middle class is going to disappear. It's going to be poor and millionaires. And just final question, you're from out of state. You've lived here about six plus years, you said. Um, if the recall doesn't go the way you want it to, what do you do? We'll still stay here and fight until I can get my husband to move out of California. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> He's not. You just heard from pro-recall voters Debbie Cohen, Daniel Strang, and Christina Regine. Stay tuned for more coverage of the final days of the recall campaign on your local California public radio station. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. It's going to be hot in much of the state today, and a lot of people are going to be working outdoors in that heat. California is one of just a handful of states that has laws on the books meant to protect workers from high temperatures. But people are still getting sick and dying from excessive heat, and the state agency that's supposed to protect workers has been understaffed for years. As part of a collaboration between the investigative unit at Columbia Journalism School, NPR, and KPCC in Pasadena, Jacob Margolis reports. A big part of Kalosh's job is enforcing heat laws meant to keep workers safe. And to do that, they need to send out inspectors to investigate workplaces. Well, as of August 1st, the agency had 195 full-time inspectors. 195 people for a state with roughly 18 million workers. I think we've accepted death and even serious injuries and illnesses to all workers as a price of business. That's Ellen Wydas. She headed Kalosha from 2011 to 2013. She says the agency was understaffed when she was in charge and remains understaffed today. There simply is not enough field enforcement. There's not enough strong site penalties issued that actually force employer compliance. Kalosha refused a request for an interview, but in a written statement acknowledged they need to hire more people. And in the agency's budget request from this January wrote... Quote, the need to address health hazards has grown beyond our current capacity. 
An independent analysis commissioned by the agency found that it will likely need an additional 150 inspectors in the next couple years. That's nearly twice as many as the agency has today. Garrett Brown was a Cal OSHA inspector for about two decades. He now spends his time tracking staffing issues at the agency. You have an agency that, frankly, is just crippled. Former and current Cal OSHA employees, as well as agency documents, say that the lack of staffing has resulted in things like slow response times to complaints, which can give employers time to cover up negligence, an overwhelming caseload for inspectors that can force them to limit the scope of investigations, and inspectors having to depend on complaints from workers who may be afraid to complain in the first place, especially if they're undocumented. In its statement, Cal OSHA laid out additional ways it is attempting to improve its enforcement practices, such as by streamlining the citation process. There are many employers still in 2021 who are not complying with the heat standard, and there are, because of the shortages, not sufficient enforcement pressure on the bad-acting employers, which are not just a small number, unfortunately. When we asked current and former Cal OSHA officials why the agency has been understaffed for so long, we heard some salaries aren't competitive, and that even when Cal OSHA knows they want to hire someone, the Department of Industrial Relations, Cal OSHA's parent agency, is slow rolling approving new hires. That's something that DIR denies. Cal OSHA was approved for 70 additional positions in the latest state budget and says it is trying to hire as quickly as possible. Here's Brown again. Now, we keep hearing that, you know, the, the hiring is about to take off and not to worry, everything's under control. But that's the message we've gotten for several years now, and I, I'll believe it when I see it. Part of the reason for the chronic understaffing, multiple people told us, is simply political will. That business interests are powerful in California, especially compared to a vulnerable, often undocumented worker population. Cal OSHA said even one work-related death or serious injury is too many. But as temperatures rise due to climate change, workers will face more risk because of heat and need a robust enforcement body that's able to protect them. For the California Report, I'm Jacob Margolis in Los Angeles. Jacob reported that story with Brian Edwards of Columbia Journalism Investigations. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, September 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!
Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.